Hey, what's up, La Familia? You crazy football-loving nutters. This is Ray Hudson, and you are luxuriating and listening to the Inter Miami podcast with a stupefyingly magnificent Jay and Alex. Two lads who are as electrifying as a hairdryer thrown into a hot tub. Stay tuned, because you know what it's going to be. It's going to be magisterial with an amplifier. Intercampions, intercampions, intercampions. <clears throat> Can't sing that much better given the uh, the voice issues I'm having right now. But oh boy, are we coming to you in good spirits yet again, and probably the highest spirits of any podcast that we've ever released or had the privilege of being on. It is just uh, a phenomenal feeling a phenomenal redemption for this squad, for all the fans after uh, many, many years of hardship. I I mean, I just, I'm at a loss for words. A lot of people were taken in, heard some, some of you guys were, were maybe tearing up or, uh, or crying. Is that anyone want to uh, open up and be vulnerable right now? (laughs) I can, I can go right into it, man. I, geez, man. I always said I probably would cry the first time we won a won a title, and we won it, and I held it together. But uh, when Messi passed the armband to Yedlin, I I lost it. I, I it was that was a good moment for me, and you know, um, you guys all know. Everybody who's listens to the pod knows I've been critical and said before that I wasn't a hundred percent a Messi fan. Uh, but dude's winning me over, man. Not just winning trophies, but it's the small things that he's doing, the Marvel celebrations for his kids, the the passing of the armband to Yedlin, man. That was a special moment, and that, that got me right in the feels. And if you didn't feel something in that moment, you're a post-Messi fan. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't understand the significance yeah. is, is my point in saying that. Yeah, you man. know, when they're tossing him up and, you know, the whole team tossing him up and, the pure joy to see on his face with everything he's done and everything he's won, you know, there's some of the things can be cynical. Okay. He gives an interview. He's going to say, you know, how much he loves it here and all that, but there you see it. And that, that couldn't be faked. He, you know, guy that's won everything. And then some, you know, just pure joy on his face. He, he was just having a ball. Yeah. I think he was really happy of what he's helped the team to accomplish. See murder. He cried all you get emotional. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It felt very full circle. It was nice. You know, I said it in our Discord, but um, it wasn't too long ago. I remember watching uh, Inter Miami lose like five nothing to New England, catching a red card in like the fifteenth minute. Um, you know, zero zero draws against Chicago. So it's nice to see the team actually um, put together decent a string of, of decent performances consecutively because um, it's something we never really have had in history. So it's you know it's cool. Huh? It's it's a welcome celebration. 
It is. It is. Well, welcome everyone to the Inter Miami podcast. I am Jay Kington, joined by more of the IMPC uh, universe, uh, none other than Branton Griffin, who I think some of our listeners are, are aware of. Uh, we've also got Gary McLaughlin. Gary does a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes, plays a uh, advisor consigliere type of role. Gary, have, you, have we had you on one before? Uh, no, I was on the Freedom to Scream yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. with Branton and Kelly, but yeah. I have not been on the main podcast Ooh, before. And the and World Cup coverage. That's true, and there's oh, World yeah. Cup stuff, but yeah. uh, seems yeah, like mostly a... I just kind of try to come and you know bring up the average age of the podcast. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> that, that World Cup coverage seems like it was two years ago. That's crazy. And uh, mm-hmm. none other than uh, Caden Delisa, who I believe we had on the first Freedom to Scream. Uh, he is yeah. the... Yeah, editorial sorry. chief for the IMPC squad and and universe. How is uh, how are you settling in? I'm assuming the S on the on the cap stands for Southside Chicago. Uh, yeah, it's my makeshift uh, makeshift White Sox hat. <laughs> uh, not not quite a White Sox hat, but you know it works. It works. In the one game, so by by game four or five, I'll finally get a real one. There we go. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's nice up here. I'm loving it. The weather's nice. It's a bit bit better than the 115 degree Miami heat, so no complaints for me. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the Nashville weather. But good to have you guys on. Thank you for making the time as we uh, continue the rotation and introductions and more involvement from everyone associated and involved with the uh, Inter Miami podcast. So. There's not really a, a ton of things to talk about outside the obvious, which was the um, phenomenal victory we had, the uh, most stressful live sporting event probably of my entire life. I feel like I shaved off a, a few months of the, the end of my life just watching this. I at one point felt almost like I was going to fade. I felt like I was having uh, heart palpitations as uh, many of us were all linked up there together. Uh, going through um, probably the most intense PKs I can remember outside of what was that United in Sevilla in the Europa Cup 2021, I think. Yeah, that I had bad Villarreal? flashbacks of that yeah. as a United fan, and I, and I know <laughs> I know fans and out as there. A, sympathetic as a Chelsea me, fan, you didn't even bring up the FA Cup final. That was the other one, yeah, yeah, yeah. years ago. Mm. We, we actually, we actually did discuss <laughs> that, yeah. But I chose to, I chose to, uh, to, to leave that one out. And that brings me to a question that actually uh, Chloe asked me: Is do does anyone know what the record for most rounds of PKs is? No, that's no? a good question. Surprisingly, okay. that actually wasn't even the most PKs in League's Cup or rounds of PK. Because I remember in the. I think it was in the group stage. I was watching, I think it was, was Lyon versus Vancouver. That in like 17 or 18 rounds. I think the final PK score was like 17 to 16. Jeez. That one went wow. quite a while. I, I knew they went the distance. I didn't know they went that many. Yeah, That's no, it was like a 30-minute shootout. Oh, gosh. God bless those, wow. those fans' hearts. So long as... The fact uh, that there were only three misses out of all, out of what, 22 kicks taken, three misses, that was... It's That's wild. incredible. It's wild. That, Either great PKs or keepers just guessing the wrong way. It's it's such a crap. It's a lot shoot. of keeper guessing the wrong. It's way. It's a lot. It's a but, whole crapshoot when you get into PKs. But it is. It is. Brandon, what did you find? So, longest uh, penalty shootout in history is a non-league tenth um, tier in the English <laughs> football pyramid. Uh, Fifty-four penalties. <laughs> each fifty-four uh, each are combined. Washington against Bedlington. And Washington won twenty-five to twenty-four. 
How combined that Jeez. is ridiculous. But they took 54 penalties total. That is insane. So a couple misses in there, but holy crap. Well, uh, I guess let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's uh, let's start from <clears throat> the beginning here. So this game from the first 10 minutes something we experienced for the first time since Messi's been here and in the entirety of the tournament was we we finally met a formidable team one that would challenge us and one that would really push us to give everything we have and do everything we can to find a way i think a lot of people um knew and know what type of team Nashville is, especially if you're an Inter Miami fan, because they're kind of our, you know, sister or brother, tw- you know, twin expansion side coming out uh, in 2020. But a, a team completely different philosophy than than Inter Miami, built out of the back, whereas we were trying to get more uh, flashy, flashy names. Um, what were you? I guess going into this because i know that we were busy traveling brandon and we didn't get the trav chat chat trav chats audio over to you to uh to doctor up so that we could uh post that before the game uh it seemed everyone was pretty confident that we were gonna win i think some were like four twos or three whatever i came out with two yeah. two and i said i think we're gonna go to penalties and for every once in a while i i, I say something that is that is correct and accurate and i, I get to be happy about it but man the the hell that that put on my body and probably <laughs> uh, all of us four uh was was not great i mean this is a team that just does so well at being disciplined at holding their lines they've got an amazing back line i'd say probably top two or three defenses in the league um Apparently, uh, you know, I guess Philly would be that that number one defense. But we seem to struggle more against Nashville. I just, um, it's yeah. it's a tough team, man. It, it it really is. What how what did you guys think of you know like the the opening minutes before uh, that, yeah. that first goal? I think uh, going back to what you were saying with the defense, I think the real at least I kind of was thinking as I was as I was going through the highlights. Um, you know, as you said, Philly arguably has the best defense in the in the league, and we kind of carved them up. Um, but with with Nashville, they have their backline maybe not as good player per play, player to player as as someone like Philly, but they have players who have been in situations like that. You, you know, six eight months ago, you had Walker Zimmerman and Shaq Moore lining up against Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, you know, Harry Kane. Um, you can't say the same for you know Kai Wagner, whoever else is on Philly. Um, so, you know, they, they've been Damian in that situation. They knew how to handle the pressure. <laughs> yeah, Damian Lowe. Um, they, they've, been, they've been in those big stages. They know how to handle it. They know how to approach players like Messi and Alba and Busquets. So I think I think that was probably the difference. Um, they, they were able to settle in a lot easier than a team. Um, you know, Philly withstanding a, a team like Orlando or Dallas, where, where it was a lot more sporadic. Like, Nashville was much more compact defensively. They stayed, they stayed in their formation, and they knew how to, you know, stick to it. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I took away from the game and, and um, you know, everybody gives Philly a lot of credit and Jim Curtin a lot of credit and people, you know, Jim Curtin, you know, one of the better coaches in the league and not to take anything away from him because he does the most with the least, I think, in the league with the homegrowns and the draft picks that they put into their team. But I think Gary Smith developed a game plan. He installed it and his players followed it to a T. Um, you know, I, I think it's very hard um, to to look at the small sample size that we have for Tata and say, 
you know, he's come up against a coach who really gave him trouble. And, and I think Gary Smith outcoached Tata this game. I think he had a game plan. I think he, he, his players bought into it, stuck to it. And like, they did not give anybody any room. Like even the goal that Messi scored, like if it's anybody else on this planet, that's not even like an opportunity to take a shot. Yeah. Like two defenders closing down with Zimmerman coming in as well to cover the hole. Like, Messi had to have pinpoint accuracy to get that in there. And from the beginning, like their center backs bossed everything. Like Joseph, I I didn't even see Joseph for most of the game because they did such a great job of containing him. And what we've seen is like Tata uses Joseph like a decoy. He tries to use Joseph to draw out the center backs so that it opens up the center of the field so Busquets can pass it out to to Taylor or to Messi and kind of have them playing off of each other. And those center backs didn't bite. They were like, all right, Joseph, you want to go ahead and beat us? We'll let you do that. But we're going to we're gonna cover Messi and put a body on him. And that's what they did. And, and it was, uh, you know, I watched the whole game and, and I was just like, holy crap, like, <laughs> this is the most tense game we've ever been a part of. Yeah, I mean, like the, I, I just the discipline never felt totally comfortable. <laughs> the discipline was there through and through. And and to your point, Gary Smith came up with a plan, and he stuck to it. And I think the difference between the plans he the plan he was able to come up with, everyone tried to come up with a plan against Messi, and it wasn't the right plan. And then they tried to adjust in the second half. I think Gary came out with the right plan and was able to initiate it exactly, uh, you know, a, a, as he wanted. Uh, Gary, what were your thoughts? Well, I, kind of like the discipline that you were saying was really the big difference when if we're comparing how Nashville uh, played us versus how Philadelphia played us because it was that, what, third-minute goal by Joseph mm-hmm. that, that against Philly, and that changed the game. They had to start chasing the game a little bit more, maybe, because pretty much every goal in that game it's not like we were you know having possession and set up and breaking them down it was they're pretty much breaks to to some extent whether full-on breaks or, or kind of partial breaks after after turnovers of the ball and you know but i think part of that all started because we got that early goal whatever they had the little bit of the slip i mean joseph got just enough of a step on the defender there we get the goal in three minutes and they started chasing the game and that opened things up a little bit more for us going the other way again i kind of wonder like what would have happened would it have kind of gotten into another you know kind of a scratching and clawing type of fight like nashville was because they were kind of doing the same thing nashville and philadelphia both they wanted to hit this busquets especially um they wanted to knock him down they wanted to like get him frustrated you know as well as denying him the ball because if you can deny him the ball then it's hard. Then it really kind of changes. It's hard to play through the middle, play through mess. We have to kind of try to play around it a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, I think, like you said, that discipline that was the big difference for me between Nashville and Philadelphia. Nashville stayed disciplined early on. Yeah, I mean, and you know, Philadelphia was without Julian Carranza, um, who is is more than just you know an attacker. He's also a, a creator up there. Um, you know, on, on the front line, uh, they were also without uh, Gazdag. So they were not a, a, a full team, although I still think the result probably would have would have been the same. But I truly feel like Nashville is is 
probably the most complete team in the in the entire league uh, from front to back. Our back line has been very sketchy at times. Uh, it's been a lot better as of late, but you know, <laughs> part of having uh, an amazing defense is just having an amazing um, you know possession, and that's what we have now. We are. I don't I'm trying to remember. It certainly has been uh, a least cup game. Maybe Cruz Azul, if I am missing something, but we've had the majority of possession and and comfort moving the ball through ever as we kind of we poke uh, and we prod. But but Nashville, you know, their back line is real. Um, it's true. Outside of that, you've got Fafa Picot and you've got Alex Mule who run the wings defensively and offensively. You've got Hani Mukhtar, who is low-key one of my favorite players, uh, big, big uh, Hani fan. I mean, he is a threat coming out of the midfield. He can play up top, be a threat out of there. He is shifty. He works. Seems like he works hard. He's a higher work rate than than every other player on the pitch. And then they've got Serge, their, their kind of newest uh, toy who's – really developing into to quite the beast. I mean, we had our hands full um, and nothing but respect to them. And, and you know, hard-fought uh, game, and then, you know, it, it, it finally opens up, right? I don't even know if it opens up. That's probably not the right word, but, uh, you know, messy, just doing messy things. And to your point, Brandon, no, no if that was any other player in the world, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, just... it, nothing's going to happen. It, it, just to be able to cut shift cut shift find a little bit of open space and then just doink perfect curler you know (laughs) top deck that's what you want that's what you want like you can't even really be mad like obviously nashville's gonna be mad at that but like those are the ones you just see like all right like no one can do anything about that and he's had a lot of those already (laughs) he's had a a share of those in just seven games He, he is a cheat code you know, yeah. and, it, and it kind of almost feels like that at times too, you know, like it's hard to even compare the kind of the difference in quality of Messi versus the rest of the league, you know? Well, and I mean, there's good players in the league, but almost any other league, at least any top five league in Europe, you know, Messi's going to be the best player, but he's not going to have that gulf of difference between what he can do versus, you know, kind of what say the no. averages in the league. It's just crazy. And so, yeah, I agree with that. But at the same time, like we're talking about, and we just said like Messi scored a bunch of like incredible goals that no one else could score. And I think when we say something like that, we have to acknowledge that the defenders are not just like blowing assignments and he's just blowing past and getting these open netters or, you know, sitting down the keeper. Like he's having to work to score these goals. And like, you know, I, I, I just, I, I hate hearing that you know, he's doing so well because of the quality of MLS when the defenders are forcing him to, like, make otherworldly goals because, like, two milliseconds later, one of those defenders is already in that lane Mm -hmm. and Messi doesn't make that goal and we're talking about Nashville winning League's Cup. Like, you know, I I don't want to take anything away from Messi, but I think it's also unfair of us to say, that he's doing this because the quality in MLS isn't where it is in La Liga because, you know, he obviously it's not there, but I don't think the gulf is as big as people are making it. I, I think we're closing in. I, I agree with you. I mean, like they, so I, I rewatched the second half, right? Because I, I like to try and rewatch him just to, to <laughs> see everyone close up, right? Because, you know, we were pretty high up there in the uh, beautiful Geodis Park, by the way. I will say what a beautiful 
stadium. Uh, I really hope that uh, we can look towards that and take bits and pieces for for when Drive Pink uh, comes out. But um, I, I believe it was it was Robert Taylor that that passed into Messi. But like he's not even a, a attributed to the assists or accredited to the assist assist. I guess. Messi had to create all that on his own. Like it was mm. truly a spectacular, just classic Messi doing Messi things. And you know, after that, felt like the game might open up a little bit. That was the twenty third minute. Then it was like, okay, all right, like there's the first one. You know, just like all the other games, like we're about to drop four, and uh, and no, and then we kind of scrap and claw uh, our way to the to the end of the first half. Um, and then, even though Gary Smith had a great game plan. You know, he did make some tweaks. He didn't need to change the game plan entirely because it was basically working, but he just needed to, to, to make some changes here and there, which seemed to uh, to work because, man, Nashville came out um, it, just a, a notch up. And you could really tell that there was a, at times where it felt like the game was getting away with us or getting away from us. There were a, a lot of attacks popping up, a lot of crosses, um, you know, multiple headers coming in and, and stuff like that. And, um that's kind of where I'm not going to say like the tight turn, but like, I think a lot of us realize like, Oh, we are kind of locked in. This is going to be a tough fight all the way to the finish line. Yeah, no, I, we came out at halftime and you know, I, I felt, I felt good after we got that first goal. I, the movement that we, we were seeing from the rest of the team, not just Messi and Taylor uh, really encouraged me. Busquets was having a good game, but then the, Nashville came out at halftime and they were like, yeah, you may have gotten one on us, but we're going to claw this back. And, you know, I think um, an unfortunate thing is, and, and fortunate for us is, you know, Kristoff was pretty much able to shut down a lot of Mukhtar's movement. Um, there were a couple of chances that Mukhtar had in the second half that I thought uh, on a good day, he probably would have converted and we probably would have been down. I don't think it would have gone to penalties had Mukhtar put um, in his usual stellar um, performance because you know to me he kind of disappeared at sometimes especially during the attacks and he just didn't have that killer instinct that he normally does that that could have finished us but you know all credit to to Gary Smith and Nashville like they they were the better team for the second half and and I felt especially with the subs that we made you know bringing on Ruiz and Uyoa and and Gomez I felt like those were very defensive um defensive moves even Campagna because I think Campana definitely tracks back a lot more than Joseph does. And I felt like those moves probably done a little bit sooner than Tata normally does or wants to make a move like that. But I felt like those were like, we're going to like kind of park the bus. Like we need Campana's height because we're getting killed on set pieces. Every time they had a corner or a set piece, I was freaking out. Yeah. You know, and but he, I, cle- I felt, he cleared one late, which, you know, seemed very crucial. Yeah. So it, it was and they, needed. And they had a, lot of set pieces they had a lot of the set pieces a lot of corners yeah and that drake was a busy man yeah and just it wasn't for that man and then we're not lifting that trophy you know what is it 12 minutes um after the uh the start of the half right is that what it is yeah basically 12 minutes um that that equalizer goal comes off a uh sam surridge corner and Fafa Pico gets ahead to it. Not, you know, the, the prettiest header, cleanest header. And, I mean, I guess we can be fair and have to agree with League's Cup giving him the goal. But it was really almost an own goal. It, it 
came off, uh, I think, with Drake into Benah's leg and then back into Drake's leg, which was sweeping backwards. And, you know, you see Drake kind of lay down on the on the pitch like, oh, I cannot believe that just happened. But to his credit, yeah. you know, got back up when, you know, was a uh, – let, let, let's go for it. But at that mind, and I was, I was sitting next to, to Mike and Mike was kind of being negative the entire day. Like he just wasn't, wasn't as positive as I was, as I was looking for. And I, I, I think at that time is like this, this game's not going to go our way. Like crazy, crazy little, you know, traffic jam of a goal, not going to go our way. And then, you know, Robert Taylor goes down and then we, we see those, those substitutions and something that we had mentioned prior and, and discussed especially in the discord was that we felt like tata was going to kind of do what tata did which was put in victor uyoya right like give oh, the complete the story arc for victor because high chance uyoya is not going to be here next year right um so they bring him in i was like all right like i, I like the sentiment don't screw it up and there was a uh, an overhead ball that came in and it was, you know, Hani was, was booking it. And you know, he just turns around like <laughs> you can see his head up in the air, like no clue where the ball is. He looked, he looked lost for a second and very, very soft uh, foul that got him uh, the yellow. But there were, there were a couple of those instances where there was a full on break either with Hani, you know, in tandem with, with Surridge where like the one where he spun around Kamal and then it's just oh, a full-on sprint to, to get back to the box to try and prevent it. And um, little did we know that was not even near the, the, the level of stress that we were going to uh, <laughs> to fill that night. But one more thing on the game towards the end, right? We got to talk about what could have been arguably the greatest sequence in Inter-Miami history. Uh, ball for Messi deep in our own half over everyone to a streaking Campana. And I don't know why we weren't doing this more. I know Campana was making some runs, but like he's got so much size and he's so, he's so strong. And you know, it, there's been times where maybe his first touch has been off or control has been a little off, but we've seen him do things like this where he's body and uh, defenders, but man, he, he, he slows down, gets the defender off his back and then one-on-one to what could have been, the greatest moment and in the stadium you just felt the energy just get sucked right out and it seemed like it was incredibly silent for for a lot of people uh but a poor chip and then a sliding effort denied by the woodwork and probably the craziest sequence uh you could see happen what what was it I know, like I know what we were all like at the same but what was it like watching that though what were you guys thoughts on that I was on the floor I, I literally like collapsed on the floor. Did you, your did your hope shoot up that like you you like, figured I, like it was when he's like going was... in and with the last second I'm like, huh? you know, and I you know usually during a game I'm sitting there and I'm just like almost too tense to like move a lot, <laughs> but him going in kind of alone it's like I jump up on my feet I'm jumping I'm just ready to scream but I just there and I just like collapsed to my knees almost like the same as Campana did himself but mm-hmm. oh it was like I almost wonder the the chip. It almost looked like he tried to chip it with the plan to catch up to it and knock it back him, himself. Though that would almost—that's what I thought crazy, as well. Yeah. But because yeah. it didn't almost look like he was trying to chip it on goal. But I don't know. Well, I... And you know, and then it's you look at it. The the defender falls down. 
Campana stumbles a little I bit know, over the, him, which down. is probably just enough to get him just wide mm-hmm. enough in the goal where he couldn't get his foot around the ball. Enough. That's exactly. But no, but he like could he could have just gone inch. down with the trip, and it probably would have been a penalty. You know, and then yeah, Messi's just going yeah, to sink that in, in, in there. <laughs> or like, and then I'm thinking, like, bro, why didn't you just like bang it like near post or something? You know, the keeper was coming off. Like he he probably assumed it was going to be a chip. Not that you know, keepers can really do a ton in, in that kind of one-on-one situation. But, um, yeah, man, if, if, what if it just was the most beautiful, glorious chip just to win it? You know, that, like that, that would have been amazing. Caden, and what was your experience like at that time? Uh, it, it it really reminded me of, um, and I'm hoping I'm remembering this correctly, of, of I think it was in Champions League. It was, it was a messy play. I think it was against Bayern where, he, you know, he chipped the goalie, kind of caught up to it and kind of just dribbled it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was trying to do the same thing. And, you know, if it worked, we'd, we'd all be talking about it in a different light. We'd still be watching it five years from now. Um, so I, I respect the ambition. You know, you think of yourself, you're playing, you're kicking around in your backyard when you're a kid. Like, that's that's the moment you're waiting for. That's mm-hmm. the moment you're practicing your whole life for. So I, I respect it. I almost feel for him because you could tell. You could tell he, he had it. He You know, if he was maybe a split second quicker getting to the ball after the chip, you know, we win in regulation. Um, and, and you know, in regular time, and we're, we're talking about how composite greatest player in Germany history. So, and how big uh, is was, it though that yeah. like because he has struggled a bit this season, right? He's had to play behind, uh, you know, Yosef on the depth chart, come in and only have you know thirty minutes to to try and find his uh, rhythm, his composure, his confidence again. That would have been that ultimate moment that would have given him that, and and. Um, that's just that's just the the soccer gods give yeah, it and the yeah. soccer gods take it. Yeah, and that's why I was so I mean, happy like, to not to jump ahead really, but the fact that he buried his penalty because remember he missed that yeah. penalty earlier in yep. the season, yep. and so after that I'm like if he misses this penalty his confidence is just gonna be just completely shot. Yeah. So, but My he nailed, was... he hit the penalty comfortable, calm, cool, collected. So it seemed like everyone did. Yeah. My concern in this whole thing was I've been the biggest Campana fan on the Discord and in every chat I've talked about, and I was like, Jesus, if he missed that penalty, on Mike is never going to let me hear the end of it because Mike is ready to sell Campana off to, like, Switzerland, back to Switzerland <laughs> or wherever he was Wolves. on loan from Wolves. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think if the defender doesn't go down, I, I think Campana probably – catches up to that and puts it in the goal but you know what fortunately for him and us we won um, but I do think kind of touching on his limited time we've seen him I think we're going to start seeing more of him because I think um, Nashville kind of gave us the or is going to give the rest of the league the game plan on how to you know let Martinez beat us let Joseph beat us and not not you know let him open up lanes for Messi and to Jay's point, I think his athleticism and size is what um, what can kind of break down some some big center backs. So hopefully we see that. If not, it is what it is. Yeah, I think we'll see more of, more of Kampan in the future. I mean, I think I think Nashville had. It, I think it was a smart idea to start Yosef at least because um, Nashville has the luxury of being like, having one of the best aerial right? defenders. Yeah, and I mean, if, you know, if 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 you're if you have Campana in the box, you know, generally you're, you're crossing it to him. You're playing it aerially. 
Nashville has probably the best aerial defender in the league in Walker Zimmerman. So, I mean, he's probably nine times out of ten he's shutting that down. So, Nashville, you know, had that clear advantage in the air over, over Miami. So, I don't think it was a bad idea to start Yosef. I will, I, you know, I'm like you, I'm a component apologist. I think he's been far better than Yosef this year. I think, you know, I think he's the answer, not, not necessarily Martinez. Um, I, I, I'd be, I'm very curious to see if he gets a start against Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, th- that will be very interesting to see. It's it's strange because it's a it, it it creates a different attacking dynamic, but you know just like Brandon said, like if it's not broke, why fix it? Like, do we turn away? Again? And I, you know, maybe uh, Cincinnati is more of an appropriate setting to do that in because, like, if this whole formation lineup and even same uh, substitution strategies worked for you where you've swept your way through the entire tournament like it takes balls to change that for the final but i mean to uh, to play devil's advocate that that probably would have altered you know nashville's uh plan a little bit but little do we know right like that could have been the greatest memory in inter miami history but you know to be fair what was about to transpire has also led to one of the greatest memories in in inter Miami history and two pins we go and um man I mean you know everyone's standing obviously like people are locked arms fans are locked arms national and Miami just like they're on the pitch uh, about to take the penalties and um through and through both teams um because we all love Drake Calendar we know the the caliber of player he is um but even uh you know Panico who is came come in for uh what's his name bye bye uh, joe willis yeah. and panico's hey, had a, a great tournament as well like he is quality as well so the fact that you know we've got to go what is that 11 pins right 11 pins mm-hmm. taken um everyone got really excited I'm, like i'm sure you guys did right the second penalty for nashville randall leal steps up and and drake gets a a, a really um cheeky save right because he's falling and, and can get like his arm and his leg up to to stop it uh and everyone you know, later like okay like that's good now we've got the advantage and kind of what <laughs> we discussed earlier about victor oyoya like give him the five spot put victor oyoya in there to seal the deal as you know one of three players that is still on the team from from the first season and um and every there's a storybook, right? What could go wrong? Well, I mean, it's it's Victor Uyoya, right? He's not known for scoring goals. We put him in there just to you know try and clean up defense a a little bit. So great opportunity Damn. given, but we all knew what the potential downfall of having Uyoya as the number five could be. Like, why not Jordi Alba? I that think- was gonna be. That looked like it was set up for that ultimate storybook ending i mean Mm -hmm. i was like i was like ready to just jump through the roof you know and at the same time am i surprised that he missed it no (laughs) um you know it just kind of seemed the soccer gods are fickle man the the they're gonna Uh. and jay i hate to i hate to bring it up but the 2008 champions league Mm. final chelsea where, where you've got John Terry, yeah. Mr. Chelsea, that can win it, you know, for Chelsea. And, you know, 
he slips of all things. I mean, so the soccer gods are fickle on this stuff. They don't, they don't like the storybook ending that, yeah. especially they don't want you to create the storybook ending. They're, they're like, yeah. we're going to tell you what's going to happen. Yeah. Some, we're, someone we're, else we're is going to earn it. Yeah. 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 And, but I'm confidence was not high when Victor was stepping up to the spot. It's like, oh, man, like I well, get it. I understand the decision and how great it would be. And I hoped for it, but like, I wasn't super confident he was about to just like, you know, <laughs> top when net he trotted blasted. out as the number five, I knew he was going to miss it. Yeah, I knew <laughs> because like they started, they were talking about it on the broadcast. I don't know if that was his first or his second penalty shootout second. that he's ever second penalty shootout ever that he's participated in. And meanwhile, when Kristoff comes, when Sergey comes up. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, he's participating in penalty shootouts in Ukraine, like, left and right. And I'm like, after I heard that, I was like, what the hell is Tata thinking? Like, put <laughs> Sergey in there. Put, but it's like, Jordi Alba's going to bury it anyway. But Jordi Alba, with... that was Jordi Alba's first penalty ever. Yeah, scored yeah. In his but career. if you yeah. think about it, how with the players possible? that he's played with, well, <laughs> well with I the players so. he's played with, why is he, he yeah. doesn't need to take a yeah. penalty when he's got you know, Suarez and and Dembele and Messi and Busquets. Like, he doesn't need to. If we all can just, do it, why can't you? Well, you all can't yeah. do it. That's the problem. <laughs> and, I, and look, Yoa's always been a nice guy. Like, he always says what's up, takes pictures, like, with fans. Like, I, I'm a big fan of him personally, mm -hmm. but I don't understand why he comes up as the number five. And I also didn't understand why at the very end, Tata didn't make a substitution and bring him off because I thought for sure we had one more sub left and one more break. We could have brought somebody in. And I, I was, I, I thought, okay, maybe like right at the end, we bring in like a Robbie Robinson and have him like seven or eight, something like that. So that you have like a little more, you know, some guy who's actually shot penalties before I'll be at probably college, but um, you know, do you, uh, do you the other guy who made me nervous too was Yedlin. Do you have to turn in a list After. of your lineup of your your order and I think in like, you can change in that the now. least you used like, to have to you used to yeah. have to before, but right. now I think you can change during. Like, so like block. part of me would would like to think that Tata was like, okay, like if we have the advantage going into, you know, if, if we can win it, say in the fourth penalty or the fifth penalty, let's give Victor his shot. To, to have that that oh, ride off in the sunset moment. What, what, what I'm curious about is who like who made that decision to put him fifth? Was it Tata or was it the players who were like, we're, no, we're going we're to let, you know, let Victor go? Because I mean, we've seen in this say. tournament, we've seen Messi, we've seen Messi give a, a penalty to Martinez. Um, so I, yeah. you know, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that something similar happens here. You know, maybe they, the players themselves, thought they'd have the advantage, like you said, going into the fifth shooter. Um, that, that's what I was curious about. Maybe that's the players, because. That was something else I was thinking about, Kate, and I'm glad you brought that up. It's like maybe the players came up with the order on the field and were like, Tata, these are the guys that are feeling real confident and, and let's go with it. But I, I don't know how you'll end up fifth there. I, I really don't. I Especially just... with, with Captain Messi. Like uh, like you said, Caden, he gave the penalty to Joseph early on. Like in that, was it the... Wasn't the Cruz's game? game as the second or third game? I think oh, it was Atlanta. the one against Atlanta. He, you know, when we see what he did after here, where he gave the armband to Yedlin, he's respecting the team and the players that have been there before, respecting Yedlin as being the captain before he came. So I could totally see him respecting 
Victor in the same way as far as being, you know, the OG. Yeah. You know, from and maybe from the beginning. Maybe Messi's standpoint well, yeah. is like I, you don't have to like I'm going to earn my way into this team by doing other things and just being the best best player in the world. Like I understand everyone mm. wants me and everyone's excited to have me on this team, but like I want to prove to you guys that I am a, a true, you know, team player and and he does these things these extracurriculars mm-hmm. if you want to call them that really shows you like how humble he is how much he does care about this team and wants to be respected um almost as an equal like he's got to earn yeah I mean, he might feel like he's got to earn the respect as an equal even though he's like years above everyone else in the league you know but i also think like like messi handing the armband to yedlin uh, while, you know, obviously I've already talked about how, how big a moment that was for me and what a big show of respect that was for what the team's been before him. There's a big difference in giving the ball to Joseph to take a penalty and giving the <laughs> fifth ball to Victor Ulloa to shoot a penalty. So I don't know how much respect went into that. Like, I could be wrong, and, like, maybe somebody can ask Messi if, if there was any kind of decision there or ask Tata what the decision was. Uh, decision-making process was there because I would love to know but I don't know like Messi's here to win and and I don't know that he would say yo Victor you want to make your second penalty ever in a final here's the ball when he's got other guys on the team who have who have made penalties and taken penalties before somebody like Alba who he, he probably trusts to take that penalty anyway so you know, I, I could be totally wrong, but, you know, I do think there's a big difference in saying, Joseph, I think you can make this and saying, Victor, you got this, my man. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I unfortunately uh, could not make the uh, the Tata presser after the game because uh, we were too consumed with uh, the celebrations going on, uh, you know, on the field and, and all of that. But I do want, I would like to ask about that in the the next presser if, if one comes up uh which i think that you and that schedule. glorious hat made an appearance in the <laughs> yeah. uh team's instagram post i think it was yeah <laughs> funny funny story about like the wallpaper they have in their uh their like corporate office <laughs> like i'm in there so if they redo it with this one just look for the hat <laughs> and I'll, hopefully i'll be in there again but uh i hate that picture that they have in the corporate office because i i get cropped down, out right? of that yeah i get cropped out of that photo every time they use it <laughs> like i'm directly to the right of cali in that photo and they always cut it off right there mm. <laughs> oh i've actually i got the media assets shortly ago and yeah there's nothing for the cincinnati game um and i'm not gonna ask about that that's just not the right move to do but right, before so. before we shift gears here if are we spend enough time talking about the you know, bad penalty areas can we get shout out to drake for probably taking the best hold on uh, hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on hold on hold on we're gonna get there we're gonna get there branton was just on a bad, mission to crush victor yo-yo for the past nine minutes it's fine it's fine but yeah so <clears throat> Just to recap where we are, Victor Yoyo could have sealed this with the uh, the the fifth penalty kick, and um, he misses it. So now we're back to ties, and then we're going to sudden death. And uh, well, I mean, technically, I think Drake had the opportunity to uh, to stop the uh, the same surge one, which didn't happen. So then we go to sudden death, and we just start working our way through every every outfield player that we have available the most stressful time of our lives um man like my stomach was nodding up it was intense we wanted this 
went so bad. It was, you know, we kept seeing Storybook, right? Or I know someone was asking Beck, I'm like, this is like a movie, right? Like this, this ending needed to happen. It had to happen for La Familia just to reinvigorate and, and make everything right over the, the, the past multiple seasons. And run through all the alpha players. And then we, we come up against what I think every team dreads is <laughs> their keeper's ability to hit a ball that ideally you would like to place. You would like to know where you're going with it in place. And that's not the, that's not a keeper's forte. Their forte is I'm going to kick this ball as hard as I possibly can and try and get it over that midfield line. Hopefully I can do it accurately, accurately. But uh, as we've seen many times, a lot of times I don't care. They just get up there, hope someone gets ahead to it. That was not the case. I mean, I guess in, in Drake's situation, they said he'd practice some penalties, but I don't know what his strategy on placement was. I'm not even sure if he had one. I think he just thought I'm going to run up and I'm going to hit the shit out of this ball. Good luck trying to get a hand to it. I was going to snap off your wrist if you even tried to. And Caden, I will let you pick it up right here. Yeah, put it put it better than Shakespeare could have. But I I want to I want to talk about the uh, you know he boots it up for ninety. Beautiful penalty. He doesn't even celebrate. He just walks right to the keeper's spot. He's like, all right, let's 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 finish this thing. I thought that was the coolest thing. Walked up. Banged the penalty, got back in his spot, won the game. Can't get better than that. You can't. I like he smoked the 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 roof of that net. I mean, oh yeah. You people want to joke about oh you know he he broke the net or you know put the ball through the net like I mean that thing he skied that thing viciously, right? And it was like it was it wasn't even perfectly placed to where the keeper had no chance. Like, it, it just was so fast, there's no way you can get an arm up there. Like, that is something that if, if it's slower, you could dive in and potentially, you know, get hands to that. But there's no way in hell you're stopping yeah. that. Keepers are you usually going to dive to the left or right, you know, and usually dive lower. That's why so often when you see people try to go high, it's such a risk because you'll sky it over. And some of the best players, Messi did it in the Copa America final in when that was in the U.S. 2016, skied it over. Roberto Baggio, or I think it's like 94 World Cup mm-hmm. penalties, skies it over. I mean, so the best players in the world can do that. It's not easy when you're trying to go high to keep it under that bar. You even wonder, was Drake really thinking like that? Or when it came off his foot, was he like, oh, shit, is that going to go over? <laughs> and Because that did not go under the bar. You know, that... Mm-hmm. That, that would, just made it under the bar. That could have that could have hit post. That could have gone you know, over. But he did it. He just blasted. I think he just put his head down, like you said, and tried to blast it. I would, that's what I was wishing Yola would have done. You know, it's yeah. like if you're not like a skilled penalty taker, skilled shooter, just go and just blast that motherfucker. He was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm goal kicking this. I am goal kicking this, <laughs> and I'm gonna try and keep it low. And I think he went in with it with with, with that. Uh, that veracity, man, and I mean, just like if that was NBA Jam, that ball was on fire. And then to, <laughs> to then, to then, to his credit, right, the Zen master with the Wim Hof breathing method. He was even asked about post game. He's like, I was just breathe, trying to breathe through it, right? Keep yourself calm. He gets up, goes right to the line, and then makes you know <laughs> something that's equally as difficult. Finally, was able to to kind of guess the right way, but. Um, then's able to deny Panico to to seal the deal, and then 
we see probably the biggest smile we've ever seen on Drake. And we've probably the fastest sprint we've ever seen on Drake. Like I like put you so you saying bolt next to Drake when he's coming off that <laughs> celebration, that man was running. And then it just becomes this extremely sketchy, extremely stressful, but iconic memory that will forever be etched into the history of this club. And, a uh, phenomenal night all around. What was um, yeah. we've discussed the the hit, the hard hit. What was the, what was the reaction to? Uh, what were you guys feeling when when he made that stop? I I couldn't I I couldn't believe it at first. Um, you know that I was just kind of in shock, but at the same time I was like, I I was confident Jake was or Drake was gonna gonna win it for us, like. You saw him like in the whole penalty shootout. Every time one of our guys was coming up, he was walking the ball of the guy, mm-hmm. being like, "Hey, you got this, man!" Like I, I knew he was going to bring us through it. And to me, it was also kind of poetic that like one of three guys that's still around from the in- inaugural roster build was the one who kind of delivered it to- for us. And I just, you know, the, I just kept thinking about like all the pain that we've been through as a fan base, all the, the, just the nonsense. Like we've been the laughing stock of MLS for so long and having to stand like, it's a weird thing to think about, but I remember standing next to you guys in the North stand on those like Sunday afternoon, one o'clock kickoffs. Like there's like 40 of us in the North stand and, and we're the only ones watching the game and just thinking like, that was like a, a year ago and a year later we've won a trophy and it just it was just like you know I, I couldn't appreciate how how great it was to win something like this without having those moments and as odd as it sounds like I, I just thought about all the pain and the shit that we've been through and that that just made it that much sweeter football is about the suffering yeah it's the pain that makes the that makes the joy just that much sweeter. It is. It is. But mm-hmm. Going back to Drake's save there, um, I didn't notice if he did it a lot on the other players, like if he mostly guessed it, but he completely like kind of leaned to the right before diving left, you know, and I yeah, think like put his hand out here. Yep. Yep. You know, and I didn't notice him really do that with other players. And it's like here, maybe he thought like he's not going to fake out the other ones, but maybe I can fake out this, you know, this other keeper. He's not going to be as skilled at this. Um, but it seemed that that way was just enough to, you know, if the keeper was looking at him at all, he saw that seemed to like go to the way that Drake, uh, the opposite way from what Drake was faking. And, you know, and Drake was there for the save because he didn't, Drake did not guess right very often. Yeah. In that. But what I noticed yeah. when I was watching the replay, cause there's no way I could see Panico's face from, from where we were sitting, but he, Panico was talking to himself. So I wonder if Drake yeah. saw that and was like. You know, homeboy's a little nervous, and then you know was like maybe maybe let's throw a little bit of shit houseery in here. And I even think, I mean, I'm not sure because he covered his mouth, but I saw Ruiz covering his mouth and and talking to the national player after he made his yeah. and was walking by. And I was like, don't I, I, yeah. I want everyone to be like humble and loving, but like the, the, that's a Miami boy, man. That's a Miami boy. I did. I saw that too, and I'm like, he's talking some shit there. Oh that's yeah, a good boy. Jay, I want to hear about how it was in the stadium. You know, we you got our perspective watching it at home. You guys were there. What was that like when when Jake made the save? I mean, it, it was electric the entire game. Like, right? It, it's it was 
musical chairs. You're standing, you're sitting, you're standing, you're sitting, and, and, and it never ended. We had fans in front of us that were in Messi jerseys and Argentina jerseys who were national fans cheering for national and also cheering for Messi and standing up every two minutes in front of us. So, like, it was just constant movement, and you're never, like, comfortable or anything. But, of course, you can't be comfortable. Like, we were comfortable for – you know, about 30 minutes of game time when we were up, but we could tell the tide was turning. And then once it equalized, uh, you know, to Mike's credit, he's like, damn, this game's not going to go our way. And it seemed like the tide was turning against us. And it just seems like we've been in these games where um, that moment has happened. We kind of knew that we would concede and the loss was coming. Uh, but, you know, not anymore. But in fight to penalties and um, penalties can be glorious if you win them. They can be a beautiful thing, something you will fondly remember, or they can be horrible nightmares that you hang on to. Like, you know, when Gary mentioned Chelsea in 08, John, and I said, John Terry, like, you know, that stuff gets burned into your, into your brain. But, um, to go through penalties like that, that many to go through all the, the, the fielded players to the keepers. I had never really experienced anything like that in person. I've seen it on TV a couple times. Um, we haven't been like the best penalty team, right? Like, you know, we all have flashbacks to the um, Orlando game in last year's Open Cup, right? Where Bryce Duke takes a horrible penalty. Yedlin takes a horrible Yedlin's penalty. Crazy. And then Yedlin, you know, comes up as what? I think he was the, the, the last outfield player, right? Um, and uh, is that correct? Yeah. So. Yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. So he he was, um, and you know you have flashbacks to that, and um, just to go, and I don't know what's worse, honestly. Is it you know once the ref blows his whistle, throws his hand down? Is it the 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 maybe two to three seconds where they make the run up and they kick the ball, or is the worst part you know the thirty seconds in between every penalty? where you're just there and it's constant, you know, head in hand and then up. And then and there was one point I like, I took, had the hat off cause it was hot. And then I was like, damn, no, like I had that on at the beginning of the shootout and we were making it. So I put the hat back on. And so then you're like doing superstitious things and you're all there together. Like, you know, in it together with people that we've watched this team with for th three and a half years, right. Going on four years now, brothers that we've made through the suffering, we bonded through mutual pain and it's it's like a, a breathing exercise it's it's up and then okay you're elated you made it like your stress is high the stress is out over and over and over and over again I swear I'm gonna die a few months earlier than I should have just because of that game like I'm getting grazed in my beard and that just added I'm sure a handful of them it, it was uh it was scary man it was scary it was fun um it was on the edge and Thank the Lord that we came out on top because to go through all that. And then, and then if we lost, that would have been extra defeating for sure. Like you're losing a championship. Uh, you're losing to your twin brother, sister expansion side. Um, and you're also losing after going through all that stress and all that worry and, and physical pain that you're feeling because you're so nervous. Um, and then for it to happen and, and like you look over at each other and it's like any, everyone knows that you won the game, but at first it didn't feel real at first. You're like, wait, did, 
did we just win that? You know, and and then the hands go up, right? And then the even up where we were, I mean, beer and drinks being thrown and you look around, you know, you see Nashville fans just like hands on their head, like, oh my God, over their mouth. Like, but you don't feel bad for them because you're so elated. And um, <laughs> it was just a, a magical memory that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm really happy that that decided to make the trip and that I was able to, uh, to witness that in person. Um, and then fans started evacuating. And so we said, let's go down, like, let's go to the lowest level we can. And, uh, Went out there for about an hour. I think it felt like an hour at least. And, uh, you know, went through the, the trophy presentations. Um, the team came over, was dancing, celebrating with us. I mean, even Ian Fraze over there on one leg holding the crutch up dance. I'm like, Ian, what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> your your knees are not built for this life. Stop doing that. <laughs> um, and it, it was just, you know, it was all love. It, it was it was amazing. And then once we're all down there, um, and, you know, the, the drums and singing is picking up and not just the team, not just, you know, the Moss brothers or Beckham, um, but like even the staff, right? Like seeing like Ridley and Chris Allen come over and, you know, just enjoy it with the fans because we've all been through so much. It was, it was just a magical moment. It, it really was. And uh, something I will I will forever cherish. And um, just to, to wrap this up really quick, just with some accolades, and I'm sure, you know, everyone's aware at this point, but Messi finished out with, um, uh, 10 goals, four assists, and um, he won the, the League's Cup best player and top scorer. Uh, and then Drake Callender won best goalkeeper of the tournament. And um, I think even, I think more importantly, honestly, than best goalkeeper of the tournament, he won man of the match in the final in, a, a, you know, dealing with 11 PKs and making many crucial saves. And not only making crucial saves, but having the... Um, the awareness to get off his line and go pluck balls out of the air um, when there was danger lurking and can't can't praise Drake enough. Uh, such such an amazing game, and um, now we're getting the bye to the round of sixteen uh, in the Concacaf Champions Cup, which is what this is all about, right? Like, let's get messing to the Champions Cup. Let's get over here. Let's get that League's Cup kind of fun. Um, but additionally. Uh, on top of this, there in 2024 is going to be this Copa Interamericana, which is going to be the CONCACAF Champions Cup winners of 2023 uh, playing against the uh, Combo Bowl Sudamericana Champions of 2023. That's one side of the bracket. And on the other side, it's going to be the League's Cup 2023 Champions, which is Inter Miami going up against the uh, Combo Bowl Libertadores. 2023 champion. So now we're going to get this really cool um, little extra micro tournament, right? Just four teams in it. That's going to happen uh, in 2024 called the Copa Interamericana and just another opportunity uh, to win a trophy. And I mean, we've, I was hoping we'd honestly keep this shorter, but it's hard to keep, keep an episode short when you, when there's just this much joy to talk about but we do have another another semi-final tournament cup opportunity to to win two trophies before we even make it to the end of the season and we'll spare the listeners for now uh, you know we'll get into what our expectations are for the remainder of the MLS season go down the mathematics of what it would take to sneak into the ninth or eighth spot to to get into the playoffs and potentially 
technically, mathematically, a treble is still on the table. But let's just focus on the Wednesday night game flying up to FC Cincinnati, another really good team, top of the East. Um, although they did just get smoked 3-0 in the Hell is Real uh, mm-hmm. Derby. But we're going to be playing them. 7 o'clock is what it's listed at right now on ESPN. Uh, Wednesday night semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. I like how this tournament's broken out. You know, like basically the next game will be another month down the road. Um, And in tandem with that, uh, later that night will be the Real Salt Lake and Houston game. Uh, Quick tidbit before you guys share your pieces. If Real wins, we're going to Salt Lake. If Houston wins and we win, we will have a home game for the uh, Open Cup uh, final. So, um, with that being said, I mean, shake off the good feelings, right? Let's get right back into business mode. Let's get right back into focusing because we got a very important game coming up on Wednesday. And what are your guys' expectations against top of the East FC Cincinnati? You know, a week ago, I was more worried about it than I am now. Um, and because we still hadn't, we still had our long history of being absolutely terrible on the road. The first road game since Messi came against Dallas, probably the worst game we've played, at least. I mean, it was ended up being a great game and a great comeback and everything, but giving up four goals or, you know, our defense was just awful. That was, you know, so it's like, man, are those, are those struggles back? Now we have to go up to Philadelphia and we crushed them in Philadelphia. And we go to Nashville and we beat them, of course, on penalties. Now Cincinnati, okay, what? They're comfortably top in the East. They're, they've, are they undefeated at home this year? Maybe like one, they've been at incredible home record one way or another. So we know we're going into a place that's very tough to play. Um, so I'm still worried about that, but kind of with Messi and Busquets and Alba and all the other guys, like right now, no previous trends that we've had apply anymore. All bets are off, you know, oh, we've been terrible on the road. So that doesn't matter. It completely different team, clean slate. Um, you know, we've won two tough game, really three, our last three road games we've won. Yeah. Two of them have been in penalties, but still tough games. Um, that Philadelphia game was so impressive how we did on the road. So I know that we can do it. Um, is there going to be a hangover of this? That's where I'm like really hoping Messi's leadership can really come through because he's played in games where he's got, you know, where he's fighting for troubles and that kind of thing. Where in the last week of the season, you've got you know, an important game in the league. Then you've got like the, um, you know, the cup games and the champions league finals, and you'll have all those in a short thing. So he's used to like, you win, you celebrate, turn around. We got business to do again. And, uh, so I'm really hoping Messi's leadership gets them all focused right away. Cause four days, four day turnaround or whatever, after a win and the kind of celebrations like that, um, yeah. hopefully they can be focused right away. Great point you made. They are 11. Oh, and one at home so 11 wins zero losses one draw uh at home uh to be fair i'm pretty sure philadelphia went undefeated at home last year like so uh, i'm with you uh, more confident than i was a week ago that's not to say that uh this won't be a challenge um one thing before uh brandon and caden share their piece uh, they did lose to columbus last night three to zero um notably in that game Lucho Acosta and Brandon Vasquez played the entire game. Uh, I think that was not the best strategy, if you ask me, especially if you're, you know, already down 2-0. 
which I think it was for, you know, pretty late. I think they got the, the third goal late. Um, you're going to want to save those legs, right? They're both the formidable uh, attackers, and we know the quality they can bring. But I think they're going to be a, a little tired from that game. So that's uh, certainly something to watch. Caden, uh, what are you looking looking at in this game? Yeah, I think I honestly think I, I see this game pretty similarly to the uh, to the Nashville game. You know, Cincinnati is capable defenders. If they play Matt Miazga, that's another big body who's good in the air on the back line. Um, kind of thwart any aerial presence Miami has again. Um, similarly to what Nashville did with the Zimmerman. Um, but I, I'm this it, it's going to be a make and break make or break game for for our back line. You know, like you said, they have Vasquez, they have Lucho Costa. Um, you know, one of them's getting European interest, one of them's getting. USMNT interest potentially down the line. Um, so yeah, they're very formidable attackers. It's gonna it's gonna take a full effort from the from the back. I'm curious to see if we play five at the back if we drop one of the more defensive midfielders to throw in another center back. Um, probably unlikely, but you never know. Um, like like Brent said earlier, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, but I think it'll be a good game. I think it, could, it has the potential to be a high-scoring game. Um, I do have the expectation that Miami will win. I just think, you know, Messi's just that clear of everyone else in the league. So I think he's going to be a great chance creator through this. Um, Cincinnati's midfield, probably a little bit weaker than ours um, when we're at full throttle. So I think I think we take good advantage of that. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I agree. I, I'm not... I'm not particularly worried about FC Cincinnati. Um, I think they kind of showed their hand over the weekend. I mean, you play on Sunday and you've got really what one day, one rest day, and then you've got two practice days and bam, or one practice day and then bam, you're playing Inter Miami. So for them to go all out on that game Sunday, kind of in being all out by what players they played not by the effort they put in because obviously that was very very lackadaisical of them i didn't expect them to lose three nothing but um you know i think i think we have every opportunity to go out there and win this game i think based off of what tata said um i think open cup is a priority as well i think they're going for the silverware i I do feel like we're putting the MLS regular season on a back burner. Anybody who's got tickets to the Red Bulls game, I, I think you might, or is trying to buy them, I think you should probably hold off because I don't think you're going to see Messi play. Because <laughs> um, I think we're going all out, and I think we probably see a very similar lineup to what we put out against Nashville, maybe with a little bit of rotation because we probably... You know, we, 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 we want to win everything, right? So, you know, maybe we see, like, Campana come in for Joseph. Um, maybe we give uh, Jordy a break, too. Um, he's kind of the newest like, newest guy in. Give him a day off and, and give Noah Allen a start. But I think we probably win it. I'll probably go 2-1, 3-1, something like that. Um, I, I don't see this going. I, I feel like it's a comfortable win. I, I don't. You got to pick one. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna win one between your we're two predictions. Between your three one, yeah, I'll go three one. I'm All feeling right. it. I would. That, that's kind of what I had in my head. I've been torn between three one and three two. So just for the the point of conjecture, I'm gonna go three uh, two because I mean they, they you know they have been scored on. You know they have conceded. Uh, you know some multiple 
game goals, you know, three against Columbus, two against prior to that, or sorry, three against prior to that, three against Kansas City. They even let Charlotte drop two on them in New England as well. Um, and, you know, that's really been since July. So I think there's a, a, a sub, pretty solid chance here. I'm going to go three, two, still think, you know, their attack in, in, in overall team is, is, is enough. I mean, there's a reason they're top of the East. So I'm going three, one, uh, Gary, what you got? Um, well, I was kind of thinking three one two, but just for the for the sake of it, I'm gonna go two nothing. Um, let's. Uh, I'm thinking that it'll be a tight game, tight one nothing game, and then maybe 85th minute or after we'll get kind of just the ceiling goal as they as they press forward, we'll get a counter and, and finish the game off. Campana pulls a, a midfield chip this time. There you go. Drake comes up for a last minute corner. <laughs> <laughs> up one zero, why not? Just yeah. send it home. <laughs> yeah. He's got the scoring bug in him now. Yeah, exactly. yeah he exactly. wants it. I, I want to see Messi give a free kick to Drake now. <laughs> oh, God, that would be amazing. Before we wrap up, though, going back to League's Cup for just a quick minute here. Shout out to the kids, man. Kramowski, David Ruiz. They had some good goals. They had some big goals, especially Kramowski in that Dallas game. Um, you know, uh, tough break for Ian Frey, but you know, in the, in the in the half that he did play, he was doing pretty well. You know, defensive lapses of the entire team aside, he's he, I don't think he was responsible for too many of them. Um, yeah, Kronoski and Ruiz, man, they they were great for you know for how raw they are as de- in, in terms of their development. Um, you can't ask for more. Two big goals, so yeah, shout out to the kids. I like it. So, what's your prediction? My prediction? Uh, I was gonna go two nothing, but now I got to be different from Gary too. It was different. Okay, from now you guys. Like, um, I, I don't want us to all have to go different. I don't want us to. No one's keeping track of this. So two people we can, can win yeah. in here if you want. If we can go four nothing against Philly, I think we can go four nothing against Cincy. Well, four one against Philly, right? A four one, my bad. So, that, that one doesn't count. We were already at four nothing. That's when the game ended. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, all right. I'll go four nothing over Cincy then. Messy oh, hat trick. Love it. Four okay. nothing. I like it. I like it. Well. Messi uh, wants a golden boot for the Open Cup. <laughs> oh, uh, man, he's got a lot of work to do. <laughs> he's, yeah, if he can, if he can drop two hat tricks, I don't, I don't even know who has the. Uh, I don't even know who's leading right now. Honestly, would have to look that up. But uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram at Enter MIA Podcast. On nope, that was my Twitter, our Twitter. Sorry, Enter MIA Podcast on Instagram. It's at Enter Miami podcast uh thank you boys for making the time and swinging by we'll be doing this many more times in the future so glad that everyone can uh get more familiar with you on uh on the impc and um yeah man it's uh it's gonna be a fun fun little week here um wednesday will be here before uh we know it and um with that being said i don't really have anything else do any of you guys have any announcements no, I just want to shout out to all of La Familia, man. That's been, they've been, we've been through the ringer going back to just how long it took to even get the team approved and, and trying to figure out all the different stadium locations and, you know, the, the celebrations, the announcement at Arsh Center, the celebrations when the stadium got approved by the city, uh, you know, finally getting the team, the, getting then stuck with covid the first game first home game ever delayed however many months it it's been rough and uh you know we deserve this so shout out to all the all the la familia that's been through the ringer and welcome to the new people as well that you know are figuring it out now and seeing the new things you know we've got a lot of pain but uh, hopefully it's all you know keeps going good forward 
Well stated. It's always uh, it's always about the community. It's always about La Familia and uh, and Inter Miami. And as we end every single episode, vamos Miami, vamos Miami, vamos Miami, vamos Miami. <laughs> <laughs>